Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're talking about the Kindness Handbook. In fact, we're using the Sharon Salzberg book this month, and I want to read I'm going to start just by reading a section to you. This is one of her, you would say, spiritual awakening moments. Here's what she writes. I was 18 years old when, having recognized my confusion and unhappiness, I went to India for the first time to learn meditation. I was filled with self-judgment and the desperate wish to be someone other than who I perceived myself to be. After some time and travels, I went to Bodhgaya, the side of the tree under which the Buddha had had attained enlightenment 2,500 years before. As I sat under the descendant of that very same tree, what emerged from a deep place within myself was, I want to have the love of the Buddha. I want to love myself and others the way the Buddha loved, without prerequisite, without limit. I thought, we all should know love for our vulnerabilities as well as our strengths, our problems and our sorrows, as well as our triumphs. That moment shifted all of my ideas of what spiritual transformation would look like. Instead of thinking that growth and understanding will come from doing battle with aspects of ourselves and aspects of life, or thinking that they come from enmity towards emotion or memories or longings that we can never really keep from having, I discovered that kindness and compassion for ourselves is the best and the most healing trajectory for transformation. Yes, even for enlightenment. So let's talk today about this idea of self-compassion, of uh, self-kindness as part of our, our transformational journey, part of us obtaining a measure of enlightenment. And I want to start uh, I want to start perhaps from a place of talking about why self-kindness is the place we need to start. Now most of us have probably heard the idea of you can't really love someone else unless you love yourself first. And I want to I want to poke a hole in that or I want to at least uh, have a discussion about that. Do we really believe that's true? Cuz what I observe very often is that sometimes when we can't love ourselves fully, we we kind of go the extra measure outwardly, right? And, and so I would suggest most of us don't believe that. <laughs> I would suggest most of us think that whether it's our children or our spouses or our friends or our neighbors, that they deserve our love even when we're not feeling that for ourselves. I got a bad news story here, though. And, uh, and, and as only I would portray it, I think it works like secondhand smoke. So let, let, yeah, I know, I get these crazy ideas. You'll have to bear with me, let me explain. So I think that the trouble with the idea of loving other people, even when we're not feeling so good with ourselves, is that they recognize it. 
is that there is a level of inauthenticity in it that, like secondhand smoke, is just as destructive. They, especially the people that love us, right, our, our, our partners, our co-workers, our family, our friends, especially our children, they look to us as an example. They know when we're not feeling good about ourselves. They know that the message is it's okay to give yourself a bad time. It's okay to see yourself as lacking. It's okay to be hard on yourself. And when that message is there to read on our faces, it doesn't really matter how kind we are outwardly. We have kind of set the stage, if you will, for it being okay to give yourself a bad time, to have those messages playing in your head that you're worthless or not up to the task or not strong enough or not something enough. And, and in particular, the people that care about us, they are probably more aware of that going on in our heads some days than we are. They see it. And so this is the secondhand smoke. I can be as kind as I like to the people around me and they will know that that's not the truth of who I am. And it actually gives them pers uh, permission to be just as hard on themselves as I am on myself. So here I think is our first level of work to do is to recognize we really owe it not only to ourselves but to the world to have a reasonable relationship with ourselves. And by reasonable, of course, what we're learning this month is kindness. How do I treat myself kindly? Well, the material for this week really talks about three keys, if you will, to unlocking the idea of self-kindness and self-awareness. And I want to talk about these three particular aspects. The first one, we're really already wading into it, and that is the idea of self-compassion. Uh, often it's said that we're the hardest on our own selves, um, that, uh, that we look around the world and, and, and of course we're perhaps in that place of finding fault and so often the finger we point uh, first and hardest is back on ourselves. We measure ourselves against unreasonable standards and come up as lacking. I can never do anything well enough. I can never be strong enough. I can never be loving enough. Uh, the list goes on. And this is something at the heart of uh, that we really have to reverse. We really need to begin having a more compassionate view of our own place in the world. And I like to think of it as, well, how would I treat my own child? And you might say, well, but we're not children. As adults, we should know better. Know better how? I don't know about you, but I like to think that every day is a fresh start. And from that perspective, every day I'm a beginner. Not necessarily a beginner at what I did yesterday, but I'm an unfinished work. In fact, some of you have pointed out just exactly how unfinished I am from time to time. And I'm okay with that. Because I know that every single day, I have the opportunity of doing things a little better. I have the opportunity of being a little more loving. I have the opportunity really of a fresh start every single day. And with that, I give myself permission to approach it like a beginner. Now think about uh, maybe a, a child or a grandchild that you know, right? Do they get walking the first time? 
No, and what do we do about it? We encourage them. We don't say, you little fool, just put the other foot in front of it, right? (laughs) We would never do that to a child. And yet, what do we do to ourselves almost every day when we want to try something new, right? We imagine we'll be experts right out of the box. We imagine that, that somehow, as an adult, we have the capability of being perfect at things when that's never going to happen. And so the first thing I would like to suggest is to go easy on yourself, to begin thinking of yourself with, with that childlike ability to try new things, to take risks even, because of course we're going to make mistakes. Of course we will even have our failures, and that's okay as long as we show ourselves compassion. It's okay to take a risk, right? And who knows, we may have some repeated what the world will say is failures, and instead we can just say, well, that's one more way that I'm going to choose not to do it. (laughs) And we move on. It was an experiment with the same lightheartedness that we can experiment with other things in our life so we can experience, uh, experiment with relationships, with our jobs, with, with ways of, uh, of earning money in the world, with ways of just having fun in the world. It's okay to try new things. It's okay to take a risk. It's also okay to say to yourself, Uh, that some days I just need an extra little bit of love. It's okay to ask people for an extra bit of love. It's okay to take a day off. How many people here are actually in tune with their own bodies and their own emotional systems well enough that they know about taking a mental health day? Does everyone... Raise your hands if you've taken a mental health day. So probably about a third of the people in the room recognize that someone just got a hand pulled down again, like, no, you don't get mental health days. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, some days it's a good idea just to take care of yourself. We put aside our our so-called obligations. We put aside our business schedule or whatever it might be. And today, I just need to take care of myself. This is important. And it also, back to secondhand smoke for just a minute, it also shows to other people that they are important enough to see to their own needs as well. So you're not only, when you take a mental health day, when you take a a day, an unplanned day off, just to nurture your body or your emotional system or, or your mental health, what you're saying is, I'm important enough to make an investment. I'm important enough for my well-being to really pay attention to it, to really take a day for me. It's not only great for you, what an important example to set for your children, for your friends, and for your family members. All right, so can you go too far in this? Can you let yourselves off the hook in ways that actually aren't good for you? I have a joke. So a Western Buddhist woman was in India studying with her teacher. It was monsoon season and her her umbrella was barely keeping up with the rain. Finally, she got a ride in a rickshaw. 
Suddenly, a man ran up and was attacking her. He was trying to steal her purse. Well, the woman was frozen in fear. Should she defend herself? And how? Should she offer the man money? Perhaps he really needed it more than she did. Should she just allow him to take her purse? She, sure, certain, she was certain she should practice nonviolence somehow. Well, in the end, the attacker only succeeded really in frightening the woman, but it left her shaken. She decided to ask her teacher about it. What should she have done? What would her teacher have done to be mindful and compassionate? Well, her Buddhist teacher said very simply, you should have mindfully and with great compassion taken your umbrella and whacked the intruder. (laughs) And so I would like to suggest in the area of self-compassion, sometimes... We do need to whack ourselves, but let me explain how to do it. So our mistakes are part of a learning process. When we do make an error, when we've had a bad day, when we've confronted someone in a way that uh, isn't very productive, when we have done things or said things that we regret, of course it's part of the learning experience. We don't just say, oh well... We make plans for changing it. And sometimes we do need to be whacked over the head with the umbrella to take notice. But we do it with compassion. We don't do it from the perspective of saying, you stupid idiot, look at the mess you made. Instead we say, oh my gosh, I certainly used my powerful self in a not very useful way today. I will make plans for doing it different tomorrow. I'm that powerful and I'm that capable, I can have better outcomes. Do you see the difference here? We're still saying, yeah, I messed up. We're still saying, I need to do something. I'm going to choose to do something different so that this doesn't happen again. But we're doing it with that gentleness of heart. We're doing it with the compassion of knowing that we all make mistakes. So yes, this isn't a free pass. In fact, quite the difference. Being compassionate with yourself is putting you on the hook, not taking you off the hook, but it's doing it in a way that expresses love. It's doing it from that perspective of the illuminated teacher guiding the self into ways that are not only more productive, but more kind and more compassionate. The second key beyond compassion uh, that she mentions in the book is shifting focus. And I think this one is interesting. We talked about it a couple months ago. Does anyone remember the one thing that the human brain seeks out above all else? Yeah, a couple of you have it. We, believe it or not, we're wired up to notice the things that are dangerous or negative. That we're always, especially when we're out in public or in an environment we're unfamiliar with, uh, the bad news is we're focusing in, and I suppose it was developed for safety reasons, but, but we're focusing literally on everything that's wrong or could go wrong. And unfortunately, because it's part of the way our brain works, we apply that into our own lives, even in situations where we're comfortable and don't need to be looking for danger. And so that's why you'll, you'll visit people in their own homes and you'll say, well, how are you doing? They will list out the 35 things that aren't going well 
rather than the 10,800,493 things that are going well. It's how our brain has worked. But I want to tell you, having that as a focus has a real danger to it. It's useful if we're in strange surroundings and want to keep safe, but that's not the truth of who we are and where we are most of our lives. Most of our lives, things are safe, most of our lives having that negative searching ability in us is having what? It's causing us to be fearful when we don't need to be. It's causing us to feel that the world is dangerous when it isn't because we seek out the one or two things that look iffy and we apply ourselves to it as though that excludes all the good that's going on. And so Sharon Salzberg is simply saying, if we want to have a balanced life, if we want to truly feel that kindness well up in us, we have some work to do. We need to put things in balance. We need to begin accentuating the good that's going on in our life and the good that we do in our life. That's part of that idea of finding fault again because we point that same finger of negativity, of course, at ourselves. We notice the 43 things that are wrong with myself, with my personality, with the way I look, whatever it is, rather than noticing the 99% of our lives and ourselves that is so powerful, so loving, so true, so beautiful. We're literally made in God's image. All the great scriptures from the world's religions claim that we were made in God's image. Unless we're talking about God being inept and stupid and ugly, we need to change that emphasis in our lives. My homework this week, I think, is a simple one, uh, but it might require some effort on your part. My homework this week is to see if you can change your focus. See if you, on purpose, can shift from finding and noticing all the little things that you would find fault with in the world and in yourself, and see if you can shift it to notice all of the positive things about yourself and the world that are going on. Now, the good news about this is literally 99% of your life is in great shape. So you're working with good material here. It really just is a shift in paying attention, a shift in your focus to start noticing the blessing. So, so at, the, at, the first no, at the first service, I tried it out on myself, and one of the things I noticed was how well and how quiet the heating system is in here today. Uh, if, you, if you've been a member of the church for a long time, we used to have an airplane engine that sat uh, right above where the drummer sits and went right at dawn. And when that thing would turn on, we'd all take cover. Uh, it, it, heat, it heated you up in about 30 seconds, but I got to tell you, you didn't hear anything but that. <laughs> what a blessing it is, something that we're not even noticing today. This is how your world can be filled with the blessings that you've even forgotten even exist for you. 99% of what's going on in you and about you and around you is loving, it's supporting, it's, a, it's abundant, it's sweet. We have to look no further than the person sitting next to you, the chair you're sitting on, the, the air that we breathe to find something that's nurturing. 
So let us begin, and here's your homework for the week. Let us begin focusing on the things that are going well, especially about yourself. All right, the last key uh, that she offers up in this chapter, she calls the key of confidence. And uh, she uses the word a little different than I think uh, many of us are used to. Most of us, when we say confidence, we mean something I'm really good at, and so therefore I'm confident in how I do it. And so uh, if you were a minister, for instance, you might say, I'm really confident about getting up on Sunday and speaking to people. If you were a landscape architect, you'd say, I'm really confident about coming up with a beautiful plan for your yard. This isn't so much what she's talking about. She's talking about confidence in you, not in what you do. And by this, she's talking about entering into any activity knowing that you are simply made able to do it well. Now, maybe not from the get-go, maybe with uh, practice is necessary. Uh, maybe, in fact, uh, it might require quite a bit of effort to get good at whatever it is, but you have what is necessary and that confidence of being able to say, I'm all in on this. This new hobby, this uh, new way of being, this new relationship, uh, this new job, I'm all in for it. I'm absolutely confident that with me spending my time and my attention and, uh, and, and my oomph, my energy into this, I will be successful. I'm always successful at things I put my mind to. And the reason she says this is so important in terms of self-kindness is often we set ourselves up for failure even as we start something brand new. Let me explain. She says, how often have we been into that place of starting something new when we enter into it just kind of treading water? Like, I'm going to try this out. I've never really done this before and I'm probably not any good at it. But I'll give it a try. We'll give it a few weeks. I'll try this uh, weight loss program for a couple days. I'm probably not going to be successful at it. You know everyone gains the weight right back anyway. But, but I'm going to try it. I read it in a book. Maybe it'll be okay. Do you see how I'm like halfway failed already? We do this on so many, many things. And I think there's an urge in us that we would want to be great at something right out of the box, that we'd want to be uh, uh, the perfect, uh, I don't know, you name it, the, the perfect new job, the perfect new way of being, the perfect at relationships as we enter in the first time. Well, that's not the truth of who we are. We all have to put effort into things, and with effort, what I know, what I see around me is that people are generally successful. And so that's the idea that she says that we should enter everything in, that confidence, not that I can already do it, but that I already am it, that I already have the capabilities of learning it, I have the capabilities of being all in, I have that ability to know when I must spend time and attention to get things right, I'm fine with course corrections and being in there for the long haul, because I have confidence in myself. So these are your three keys, just to uh, go over them one last. Uh, the first one is compassion for yourself. 
allowing yourself to take risks, allowing yourself to get it wrong as many times as you need to understand how well you can actually do things. The second one is shifting focus, that idea of finding the positive in life as opposed to picking out the two or three things that are, uh, seem so egregiously wrong. Instead, let us give equal times to the 99% of your life that is doing so very well, showing you how very capable you are. And then last but not least, entering into all of our relationships with confidence. Not that I can do it perfectly, but that I am it perfectly. That I have in me everything that I need to do to do a great job. Might require practice, might require some education, might require training even, depending on what it is. That's okay. I'm up for it. I'm ready for it. I'm going to take it on because I know I have that capability. I'm confident about myself. Well, I would like to end doing the meditation that we did last week. This is one of her other tools. She said, if we enter into some spiritual practice and keep with it, we will notice a difference. And so here is the loving kindness meditation from last week. I invite you, if you like, just to close your eyes. Allow yourself to sit comfortably. Just let your body rest and be relaxed. Allow your heart to open and just let go of any mental plans or preoccupations. We begin with yourself. We breathe gently and listen inwardly to the following traditional phrases. They're directed to our own well-being. We begin with ourselves because without loving ourselves. It is almost impossible to love others. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from inner and outer dangers. May I be well in my body and in my mind. May I be ease, at ease and happy. As you listen to these phrases, Picture yourself as you are now and hold that image in a heart of loving kindness. Some may find it easier to picture ourselves as, as a young and beloved child. We can adjust the words and image in any way we choose. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from inner and outer dangers. May I be well in my body and mind. May I be at ease and happy. Be aware that this meditation may at times feel mechanical, awkward. It can also bring up feelings contrary to loving kindness. If this happens, it is especially important to be patient and kind towards yourself, allowing whatever arises to be received in a spirit of friendliness, even affection. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from inner and outer dangers. May I be well in my body and mind. May I be at ease and happy. Whether the image or feelings are clear or not, Ultimately, it doesn't matter. 
In meditation, they will be subject to change. Simply continue to visualize yourself among the seeds of loving wishes, repeating the phrases gently, no matter what arises. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from inner and outer dangers. May I be well in my body and mind. May I be at ease and happy. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one love. Today I call upon our awareness of this largest container of God, which I believe is love. We are made in God's image. And I know that for myself. I am love. I am the very image of God's love. It moves through me and I extend that hand outward to the world easily and effortlessly. It is love. Equally on this day, I know for myself that I am love. I experience love and that I direct that love inward as well as outward. I show compassion for myself. I focus on that which is good and useful and loving. And I also allow that confidence to well up within me of spirit itself, knowing that I am always enough. As this is true for me, without question I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here is made out of love in God's image. Each person here capable of loving themselves with all of their heart and all of their mind. Recognizing within them the, the capability, the, the assuredness, the, the confidence that they need to really see the beauty there, to see the joy there, to see the capability there. This is the truth of each person in this room. And today I claim that ability for each person here to go easy on themselves, to take risks, to be gentle with themselves, to, to correct things that are no longer needed or useful, yes, but to do so with great love, amusement even, allowing each one of us to find our place in the world through grace and joy, through compassion and love. And so I give great thanks for this, uh, this awareness. I give great thanks with knowing that everyone here, everyone on the planet is made out of love. And so I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.